Here's what to expect today. Let's be honest, no matter how much you love your job, like there are days where it's a grind and you just don't feel like it. So (laughs) when you're at least working with people that you choose to work with, it can make such a difference. And so that's really how I, I narrowed that down was, was simply starting there and then saying, okay, moving forward, I'm just talking to these women. And what I mean by that is, is as we were marketing or, or talking, like I was talking to women like that, that truly helped in. Uh, and when we did that, people started to seek us out versus us seeking them out which again was was such a game changer when you feel like for so long you're you're outwardly pounding the pavement right and and trying to bring a new business and to flip that switch was um it was great because it allowed us more time to actually help and and do better things for our clients and add more value the adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love preferably at the same time is not for the faint of heart That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving information in entrepreneurs around the US and the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. Today, I have Nicole Overcamp on the show. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So for folks that don't know Nicole, we're going to have a fun conversation about finances and wealth building. And I am super excited. This is a topic that we all have to deal with and we all need to get super comfortable with. And so we need folks that can help us have real and powerful conversations around money, personal finances, wealth coaching, et cetera. Um, so Nicole, I'm excited. I'm personally excited for this conversation. I know our listeners will get a lot out, out of it. For those of you that don't know Nicole, Nicole Overcamp, and we were just, I was laughing because I had to ask her before we started, what are all of the acronyms behind your name? <laughs> uh, so we are going to get those right. Um, but Nicole Overcamp is an MBA. She's also a chartered financial consultant and a certified divorced financial analyst. Um, she's also a personal finance expert and business coach for women. She's the founder and CEO of Will. Cox Financial Group and Pow Her House Money Coaching. Pow Her House Money focuses on business coaching for ambitious women, wealth coaching, and educational programming. Wilcox Financial Group is a comprehensive financial planning firm. It was founded to create an environment that's progressive and client-centric with outstanding high-touch service. Nicole is the co-author of the best-selling book, Money Bitch, a no BS guide for smart women to own their financial future. Empowering women isn't only a mission for Nicole through her companies, but also in her personal life as she serves on the board for Girl Scouts of Western, I assume that's WNY Western New York. Yes. Yep. Yes. 
She Can and the Center for Hope of Western New York. She's a fitness fanatic, outdoors lover. Woohoo! I'm a fellow <laughs> outdoors lover, um, caffeine addict, and audible obsessed. I love it. Nicole, welcome. So happy to have you here. I'm excited <laughs> for this conversation. Yeah, I am too. Let's start with the love of the outdoors. What where do you what do you like to do in um in relation to the outdoors in your spare time? All the things. Uh so I, I love hiking. That is my happy place where mm-hmm. you know I try to do at least four hikes a year with the girls. My husband hates hiking, so I try to plan strategically there. Um and, and boating. We my my husband he actually owns a marina, so big into boating and and we get a very short season here in in Buffalo, New York, but we try to to make it the best in snowboarding and and truly like I try to just take every season and be outside as much as possible. I walk every day regardless of the weather. There's a very wise man that told me once that there's never bad weather, just the wrong clothes. So that's the perspective that I try to take just to make sure and be mindful that I'm always at some point, like just soaking up that nature for a little peace of mind. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. I love that quote. Yeah. There's never bad. <laughs> there, there'll be days here. I'm in Seattle and there'll yeah. be where I'm just over the rain and I want to walk, mm-hmm. but I'll look at my husband and be like, it's raining. He's like, so yeah. <laughs> I know I was just looking no. for an excuse, but I actually love walking. I do yeah. a ton of walking. Yeah. And now that I have a puppy, I do even more walking. Yes. It's a good excuse. You know, you want to know a fun fact Seattle is actually sunnier than Buffalo. Oh, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So you guys get the weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, we were, my husband and I did a coast trip and we started in Seattle and, and made our way down. And, um, <laughs> we did some kind of touristy thing and that was one of their fun facts and everyone in the the boat was like oh I can't believe that and we're just hiding you know like oh yeah. that's where we choose chose to live full-time I know I know yeah. well yeah. it's I tell people don't come here during the summer because then you're going to find out why we all live here right it's just amazing yeah. and beautiful during the summer months um but yeah well I love I love that and I um I just I love anybody who's a fan of the outdoors and is a able to incorporate some of that balance into their life and, you know, make it happen. So that's fabulous. Um, Share with us a little bit about where your interest in finances, money, wealth building, where did that start? Well, I, I think I, it started when I was young. I mean, we, I did not grow up in a home with a lot of money. We actually had very little of it and I, but I was surrounded by people who did. And so I was always aware that we didn't have the things or didn't have the abilities that all my friends had. And so from a young age, it really made me want to work hard so that I didn't have to make hard choices or say no or feel excluded. So I always had a a job. I think I started working when I was like nine, you know, with all of the little odds and ends that you can do for neighbors. And, And from that point, all the way through college. And I actually didn't know I wanted to be a financial advisor. I thought I wanted to be an attorney. And uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it, it turns out I wasn't cut out for it. So I, uh, I just couldn't take the internships and, and, you know, long story short, I was working part-time for a financial advisor at the time and uh, just fell in love with the industry and the idea of, I still get to help people, but it was a little bit more engaging and active. I, I have a very busy mind to get bored quickly of ADHD. And so I, it really interested me to kind of have the best of both worlds and bridging that gap. So that's where it started. And as I learned more about the industry and what it had to offer and what it could do, I got more and more obsessed with the idea around being able to make a impact in a positive way and helping people. And, and then as I, I grew up, I, I truly, like I started when I was 21. And so as I grew up, you know, in my rape age of like 24, I was like, wow, like I can do better. I can do more. Uh, and, and that's when I decided to, uh, started thinking about leaving. And then, um, a little bit later I did because I wanted to start a firm that could really break down a lot of the barriers around financial planning, and in terms of making it more accessible, making it less intimidating, more digestible and like a, a friendlier face, you know, and, and really custom tailoring it around the uh, women and being focused on comprehensive planning, being focused on education versus having to just sell a product. You know, I was so um, disgusted with a lot of what I saw. And the more I tried to be different or the more I tried to change or ask questions, the more pushback I got, the more resistance. And so, you know, it was easy for me to see that it wasn't a space for me. But I also, when I left, it was a very quick, immature, I'm done leaving without a plan kind of thing. So, you know, I learned quite a bit about business very fast. You can be excellent at your craft, but running a business, man, is way different. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of Ooh. listeners can relate to that in terms of like, you really have to just learn, fail fast, right? Fail fast yeah. and make up for it uh, to, to move forward. Yeah. 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 You said a couple things that sparked my interest and I'm curious what what you feel like, because when you said there, you know, you wanted to help break down the barriers to entry to financial planning, yeah. what, what are those? A lot of time it is intimidation. So, and, and I felt that as a financial advisor in the firm I was working for, mm. I mean, it was a lot of very ego driven men that, in that just didn't talk with you or have a conversation. It was a lot of talking at you. I'm better at you. I'm going to intimidate you and confuse you when I'm talking. So you don't ask me questions. Like it, it seemed to be a, a lot of a pattern and, and I saw it with clients. I saw it with myself. Um, and, and it, and it was a, a way that I saw, you know, man, like a lot of people are looking at these guys and thinking, I don't have enough money or ability to invest with you, or I'm afraid they're going to judge me, or I don't trust that. I just don't trust that. And so there's this, this barrier there. And, and then for women, especially, there's so many feelings of shame, vulnerability, and, and truly um, the, the fear of being judged or the fear of them. You know, I, I actually just talked to uh, someone the other day who just became a client and she said, I'm so excited to work with you because the other men that I've talked to make me feel like I should just have it all figured out. 
you know, and so it's those types of things. And so it's, it's breaking down those barriers in terms of saying, Hey, look, like we are more alike than we are different here. And regardless, if you're earning a hundred thousand dollars a year, a million dollars a year, you're just starting out and maybe you're earning negative dollars, right? If you're just starting your business, there, there should always be a place where you can come and seek help and not feel like you're less than. Right. And, and so that's really what what my mission was initially, because I just saw so much of what what really shouldn't be. And, and it is it, it's the industry. And so I wanted to create a space that was just completely different. Mm, well, and I was that was going to be my next question. is: Did you feel like that was a dynamic that was unique to your firm and that particular group you were working with? Or do you see that across the industry? I see it across the industry. I think, you know, my firm was definitely a very um, heavy sales, all men, uh, but that, that is across the industry, you know, and, and because before starting my own firm, I did, when I left there, I interviewed at, at 12 other places and it was the same feeling over and over again. And, and when I was going through the interview process, they looked at me like, oh, you know what this, okay, hon, well maybe, right. Um, or that's cute. And I think you, you, maybe you can start like a little women's division for us. And it was just like, no one, they didn't take me seriously. And it was always that nonchalant condescending tone that, uh, and, and to be quite honest in, and I've talked to somebody else about this the other day, I don't think they even know they're doing it. Like I genuinely believe that they have no idea that they are talking to us that way. Uh, and, and it seems to be an age thing too. Like it's really most men, like not to discriminate here, but many men, like over the age of like maybe 45 and, and everybody younger, I don't feel that same, uh, that same tone, but, but at the time years ago, that's all that there was, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So it was really quite different. And, and I, it just gave me that taste, like, man, like we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, even, you know, yeah. that the description of being talked at and, that final piece you mentioned, like there were reasons why clients may not have felt like that was a fit, but the trust piece, right? right. About not having a conversation or the confidence or breaking down some of those barriers like shame or like some of the internal things that are happening, right? If you're being talked at and you're being directed in a certain way or not really establishing rapport or relationship or changing perspectives, that's a hard way to start a professional engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to your money, I mean, that is a vulnerable thing and you need yeah. to trust the person you're working with. You need to feel comfortable or you should anyways mm -hmm. and, and have that level of communication versus feeling like you're afraid to ask questions because mm -hmm. it's your money and you deserve to understand what's right. going on and, and what you need to do. Well, and you mentioned shame and particularly mm -hmm. in regards to women, what have you noticed with your female clients in regards to um, engaging services from a, you know, financial planning firm from yourself? What, what do you notice? Are there gender differences? 
Yes. Uh, and I think the, the most is what, when I see with women, they are so hard on themselves where mm-hmm. they might not even be in that bad of a position, but they're so embarrassed because they're just not in the position they think they should be in. Okay. Mm-hmm. We tend to, we as women, myself included, tell ourselves this crazy story in our heads of where we should be at X benchmark and the things we should know and the things that we should be doing. We should ourselves to death before people peeling back the layers and saying like, wait a minute, I'm actually doing pretty damn good. (laughs) I just need help in these areas in seeking the help. You know, you're not bad with money. You just need to learn how to use money to reach your goals, right? There's a huge difference and we just beat ourselves up. And so that's one thing that I see where a lot of the time when I talk to women immediately, they'll be like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I should have more done or I should have more saved or I, I, I know I should know where my money is going and I don't, and I make so much money and, and it's like all gone with all the things, right. Or I just don't look at the numbers because they intimidate me and I pretend they don't exist you know, especially with like a a lot of our business owner clients. And so um, that happens more so with women than with men, where with men, they, they tend to have more of a barrier actually. And, and so it's not that they uh, don't have those feelings. They show up differently. And I think a lot of the time, especially with the couples that we work with, they feel like they need to take care of the household. So they don't actually voice their having anxiety about it or mm-hmm. not sure they're doing it wrong or they do need help, but they don't want to stress out their spouse. Uh, so I see that a lot too. And then in opening up the conversation of burden is lifted, but sometimes there's that, that resistance in, in terms of they're also afraid to men so much more than women afraid to be told what to do (laughs) versus, you know, so that there's that fear factor too there. So, so subtle differences, but definitely from a psychological perspective, showing up and I think holding back more because the men are more proactive in taking action um, and, and not caring as much about the whole judgment factor where women really judge themselves to, you know, to death and, and hold back because they have anxiety around it or procrastination and then just prolong it a little bit longer is, is typically what I see. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you say that, that the men show up differently and like, you're less likely to see that stuff up front. Like once you get into conversation, having been through this process with my husband, myself, it (laughs) took us years, years to be able to get on to the same page. And when I say same page, I just mean even have like a a real thorough discussion about money. Talk about, you know what I mean? Goals and where we, where we're at with things and what we'd like to do differently or better. And it, and it was through the help of a financial planner and a, you know, an advisor that we found that basically guided us through this series of conversations, you know, but it, it took mm-hmm. really skillful help to get, because I, I got to hear some things from my husband that I was like, whoa, like you've never said that out loud to me, right? It was really yes. fascinating. And so I agree, there are differences in how we show up and talk about money, the expectations that we put on ourselves, the, you know, the various things that um, that we do as men and women in our roles with and conversations around money. So so you left, going back to your story, you, you left this firm, you started out on your own. Talk to us about some of your early entrepreneurial roots as you were starting your own business? 
what I did wrong. Right. You know. <laughs> Any um, of it. I know. Well, it was, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I truly had no idea what I was doing. And, and not from a financial planning perspective, I was so, I was so good at that. And I thought that because all I did was study, all I did was work literally like anywhere from 15 to 18 hours a day, six days a week. Uh, It was just stupid. I thought that if I worked so hard, harder than anybody else, business would just happen. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize was that in the beginning, you can't be everything to everyone. You need to work smarter, not harder. You need to ask for help and leverage your strengths. And and one of the best lessons I learned was to double down on your zone of genius and outsource everything else as quickly as possible. And so, uh, you know, the best thing that I did within the first year of me going out on my own was hiring an assistant. And that actually was Sarah, my now partner. Um, Bless her heart. But I knew that I was so bad at paperwork. I knew that I was terrible at organization. And so it was just getting started and kind of taking quick ownership of the things that I knew I shouldn't be touching or doing and really honing in and focusing on my zone of genius and then stumbling along the way and and refining our story, refining who we're talking to and, and being falling into the confidence of it's okay to say, we're only working with women and couples. We're only working with this type of woman, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and it was really scary because there were so many other advisors who told me that was a stupid idea uh, and that I won't make as much money that way, or I'm, I'm not going to, to be successful if I get that targeted. And uh, the reality is the more storytelling I did and the more targeted I did, the more we grew, the quicker we grew. And so, um, you know, it it was a, a good thing. I, at that point to just listen to my intuition and move forward and really show up authentically. And it took time and a lot of uh, grit and like perseverance and a lot of nights just like feeling like I was pounding my head against the wall saying like, my gosh, like, am I doing the right things? Am I, it was really scary, especially as I started to have employees and you know, you're, you're supporting everybody else's livelihood that you you feel this like extreme stress, not even to like just show up for your clients, but then make sure that you're not failing <laughs> and, and, and the, the people that you're, that are counting on you. So it was really, um, a lot of ups and downs, you know, and in, in, in terms of getting started and just finding that cadence and, and really where, where we should be focusing in and honing in on. Cause I think that's something that all business owners struggle with too, is like, where, you know, do you want to have a target market? Should you, yes, you mm-hmm. should. And, uh, you know, you, you certainly, the worst thing you can do is do all the things and be everything to everyone. And, um, in the financial planning industry, that's actually like kind of what they teach, right. Do all the things, be everything to everyone. And so it was, it was very much going against the grain. And, and starting out and, and it's kind of been the trend of our practice and in terms of like looking at what everybody else is doing and running in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, and, and so far it's worked out. Okay. You know, well, yeah, it's, yeah you, you raise it and thank you for sharing that piece of the story and mm-hmm. the challenges around niching down and the resistance that you received yeah. around that. I think it's a real thing. And particularly 
early in somebody's career, early in somebody's like business development and early entrepreneurial stage, I think people get very afraid to do that, you know, for that reason, like, oh, well, what if I don't have the right niche? What if I choose the wrong one? What if, you know, what if this harms me in some way? And yet what you've described as like each time that you've done that, your growth has accelerated is absolutely what so many of us experience when we do niche down, when we do say, look, we only exclusively serve these folks. Um, Was it hard for you to choose not only women, but just a subset of women? How did that, like, how did that process go? How did you end up choosing the women that you serve now? So it, it was, and, and I had ended up hiring a, a business coach and I was really struggling because there's a lot of stuff that, that happened in between that kind of drove me to this. But uh, she said, well, who are your top three clients? Like not your top three revenue clients, not the top three like assets under management or anything like that. Just who are your top three clients that you enjoy working with? Write them down mm-hmm. without thinking about it. And I did just that and, and they were all we're women like me. I guess I like myself a lot. So, uh, but it was this, this subset of women that just ended up to fall in between that, you know, that 30 to 50 ish age gap. They were ambitious. They were type a, they were career focused or a business owner. And, uh, and again, I, I think it just comes to that level where, and there's outliers, there's, there's really amazing 20 somethings and, and fifties or 60 year olds that are like super, you know, in it still. And, uh, but, but, but be it as it may, it, it was being able, I think, to mostly just relate to those women in a way that was so simple and, and just like plain fun. Like I have so much fun with my clients and I can tell, you know, that you do too. And, and that makes all the difference. Like when you're working a ton of hours, if you feel like you're just having conversations with friends or you can really relate to them, I mean, it makes it better and easier on my end and yours, you know, mm-hmm. um, it makes planning less painful if it's something that intimidates you. And it makes me more excited to show up and, and really get through the, the days sometimes when, I mean, let's be honest, no matter how much you love your job, like there are days where it's a grind and you just yeah. don't feel like it. So <laughs> when you're at least working with people that you choose to work with, mm-hmm. um, it can make such a difference. And so that's really how I, I narrowed that down was, was simply starting there and then saying, okay, moving forward, I'm just talking to these women. And what I mean by that is, is as we were marketing or, or talking, like I was right. talking to women like that, that truly helped in. Uh, and when we did that, people started to seek us out versus us mm. seeking them out, mm. which again was, was such a game changer when you feel like for so long you're, you're outwardly pounding the pavement, right. And, and trying yes. to bring a new business and to flip that switch was, um, it was great because it allowed us more time to actually help and, and do better things for our clients and add more value. Mm, Well, and that's, I mean, that's such the benefit of being so clear on who you serve that when they connect with your messaging, Mm -hmm. connect with your website, connect with wherever you are, they go, Oh yeah, she's talking to me, right. That you talk about it, flipping the switch. That's awesome. Um, One thing that stood out in your introduction, and I'm just curious where this Mm -hmm. fits for you and why you care so much about it is the educational programming. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that piece, either of your business or how um, how you decided that that was an important component. 
because so often we agree to things out of intimidation or a state of lack. And we realize down the road that it wasn't something we should have agreed to. We should have asked more questions or more importantly, we should have had the confidence to ask the questions. And so I am so huge on education for for a few reasons. One is I've seen so many clients in a position that wasn't what they thought because they didn't understand or know. And that's your like, like it's huge, huge, huge. And for me personally, I was, when I started where I did at the, the, um, you know, at my first financial planning job, I was, it was like pure intimidation, like very much kind of like a wolf on Wall Street atmosphere, but, but pure intimidation. And I didn't ask questions. I would go try to find out myself because I was terrified of them thinking I was completely incompetent after they already like diagnosed me as such because I was a young female. And so it's that. And then I also saw even growing up, my mom, she did the best she could, but she didn't know what she didn't know. And because of that, she didn't live her best life. And I just see it time and time again, where knowledge is, is power to a degree, but you have to know how to implement it. And you can only implement it if you understand the impact. And so it's, it's so much deeper for us than just giving it the information, but it's making sure that uh, women understand and the clients that are working with us that they not only understand the knowledge, but they get the impact of implementing it and the results that they can attain for themselves. And so for me, that's that's so powerful because we get to play, we get the privilege of playing a role in seeing those results. Um, and I've seen the difference even for myself when I actually under like have the confidence to ask the questions for a very long time. If you haven't seen a theme, like I had confidence issues and, um, you know, Asking, asking those questions and, and understanding how important uh, sometimes obtaining that, that knowledge is and, and knowing that you're worth the effort, knowing that you're deserving of an answer and getting over the fact that someone else is intimidating you, you know, um, because if, if they are making you feel that way, it's a them problem, not a you problem. And, and you always deserve that. So, um, you know, I've just made it a huge part of our mission to make sure that if, if we see a look on a client's face that we're getting curious about that and saying, what don't you Mm -hmm. understand? What aren't you speaking up about? Mm -hmm. Um, but then truly making sure on, on the other end through and through that, that we're just making it a part of practice. Yeah, I, I love this theme of education so much. And I think particularly in relation to longstanding professions where yeah. the information is kind of like housed inside of, you know, uh, I call it like the black box model, right? Yeah. In the legal yeah. world, it's really expensive for clients to get inside the black box, to get the sure. information and the education that they need before they can even get to the point of making the right decision. And I think it's what you're talking about too, like understanding what the map is and where they are on the map so that they feel empowered to make this decision versus that one, or, you know, understanding the why behind a decision versus being intimidated into making that decision or being told, you know, by a business coach or somebody like if you don't, you know, and so they don't know exactly why they're making it, but they just feel they have to. It's, it's such a place of disempowerment. And I love what you said there at the end about, 
If you're a service provider paying attention to your clients when they're giving you signals that maybe they don't understand or, you know, or they're a little bit lost or confused, because I think all of us can do such a better job of really front ending that education to not only cultivate a client relationship, but to also help. I'm a really big believer that we can help to create the client that we want to show up on our doorstep. Yeah. Right. Create the client that shows up to our services. Yeah. And you know, what I found too, is when you do a better job educating, you're actually creating a better client. Uh, They're going to, when things get rough, especially in our business, you know, if the market is down or whatever the case may be, they're not going to freak out. They're okay. They're expecting it. You know, there's less questions. There's so they, they turn into more of a, a lifetime client when you invest the time in them to go through all of that versus just trying to do something quick and sloppy. So, you know, and, and again, it's just time after time learning that that is such an important part of the piece, especially, you know, as a service provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, I don't think for the most part, I don't think service providers intend to get it wrong. Of course. (laughs) I I, I tell myself that I'm an optimist. I tell myself they don't, they can't possibly intend to like continue the level of intimidation or kind of secrecy or like, we have all the information you don't kind of thing that happens like that power dynamic. I just feel it's so important that we break that down. How, what educational programming have you built into your business or through your client services that help your clients in that way? So a couple of different things. So if they're a client, as far as one-on-one for financial planning or money Mm -hmm. coaching, it's literally just part of the process. So Mm -hmm. every part of what we are covering, it is a, you said you wanted to achieve this. We think these options are best for you. Here's why, you know, here's Mm -hmm. what you're capable of achieving. And then educating thoroughly through those different processes and showing them to like the pros and cons. Because there's always, of course, multiple pathways to achieve something. And then for those who aren't ready yet to work with us one-on-one and get that level, I, I during COVID, I created a bunch of online courses. So there's a ton of online courses that we created that are just pure education, videos, worksheets. So that way you can go in there and learn whatever it is that you want to learn and go ahead and implement it yourself. So at least that way you're getting the knowledge base or foundation. And, and we've had a, a number of clients too, who wanted to go through the courses first and then work with us after, which is, is totally fine. Everybody has a, a very different level of where they're comfortable getting started. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing that's so fun about like, I mean, it sounds like you put in a ton of work at creating an online course. I know having been through the process myself, it's not always an easy, straightforward thing to do yeah. or do well, I should say is you can use them in different ways, right? You can supplement your your primary services or provide them as a product on their own that become yeah. a lead into your services. Mm-hmm. So that's such a great way to complement your practice and what you do. Um, with your work, what is it that you enjoy most? And obviously I know work can sometimes be a grind. Like we have mm-hmm. those days where, you know, we're doing, I don't know, any, any number of things that maybe like, I still need to get a bunch of things off my plate onto the plate of some of my team. Right. right? 
But when you are really lit up and doing the things that you love to be doing in your business, what does that look like? It is any time I'm client facing. So it's during a financial planning meeting, a coaching meeting, if I'm speaking and doing a workshop, those are the times where I am completely full. It lights me up. I love that. If I ever have to sit behind the scenes and do a lot of analysis or research or sitting still, like that is the part of the job where I know I need to do it, but I don't like, doesn't light me up. Doesn't put my soul on fire. You know, it's the, it's the client facing things that, that do, because to me that, that is truly just, it's fun. It's, it's the fun part. It's where you get to uncover everything that you've either worked for or that you're going to get to work for and and have that opportunity or in the event of like a workshop, you're, you're seeing that, that uh, mental transformation happen and the engagement happen and and the excitement to just share that and get others excited uh, to me is, is really so cool. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure getting to see the results in your client's life, like when they're taking on the information and making new decisions, do you have a way of working with your clients? Like not that you need to disclose any, you know, special frameworks or special sauce or anything, but like some sample steps that you walk clients through when you're helping them evaluate their personal money situation or change some things around wealth planning. What are some of the things that you would typically would help them look at or make decisions around? So what in a financial planning relationship, typically, you know, we are helping them make decisions around anything that their money touches. And so it can be extremely uh, comprehensive in terms of really deciding whether or not they're going to retire or how they're going to continue their business in a succession plan. And we have a lot of of business owners saying like, wow, could I be more of an entrepreneur working my myself out of a position and continuing to retain an income from this and and be able to make that part of my future strategic plan? Or am I going to have to plan other avenues and just shut the business down at some point because there isn't someone who can do what I do. You know, two very different scenarios with business owners. And sometimes it's helping them figure out if they can help pay for college or as simple as just getting started and like getting a cash flow plan together and how to get rid of debt. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it's, it's so all over the place, but regardless mm-hmm. of where a client is starting out, um, beginner or, or more advanced is, is it all starts with the same process of what is it that you want to accomplish and why do you want to accomplish that? So helping with that initial reverse engineering process of really thinking about what's important to you, what do you want to achieve? And then the why. And we always ask why, because if you don't know why it's important, you're never going to be excited or disciplined enough to follow through, um, through those grindy periods of time or through the times that don't always feel like fun. And so that why is really important. And it's what we use as leverage. When you start to show up or you're not following through or committed, we can remind you of what you're working towards or what's important, or if you're needing to pivot perhaps, because, hey, you know what, life happens and and we change our mind. So, So we're always starting with that and having a full conversation around what you want to see, where you want to be and who you're becoming. And then the planning happens because without that, 
what's the point? You know, you can look at all the numbers, but they're not going to have meaning behind them. And then you're, you're not going to be likely to follow through anyway and, and truly get those results. Well, and I wondered that on the follow through that you mentioned, right. And having that big why, like connecting yeah. clients with their why, do you find that part of your role is actually just that accountability piece, like even the advisor role, yes. or are there ways that you build accountability into a process or other ways that you can help to hold your clients accountable? Talk to us about that particular piece. Cause so, we are huge on accountability. Uh, you need to be, I mean, it, look, money's hard. Is it not, you know, so accountability is important. And so with on the financial planning side, we have a software system that we use that you actually link up everything to on a live feed. So we can see that, but also more accurate, you know, tracking of everything. Cause sometimes our mental accounting is different than real accounting, but so we do that, but we also check in really frequently. We have a lot of communication with our clients. And then if it's a coaching client, we have an accountability coach in addition to the coaching that I'm doing. So um, staff, our, our accountability coach actually checks in weekly with our coaching clients to just simply say, hey, you said you were going to do these things last week. How is that going? Did you follow through with that? Um, if yes, let's celebrate it because we don't celebrate ourselves enough. But then what is it this week that you're looking forward to or that you're stuck with or you're having a challenge with and, and really helping to, to move that forward? And oftentimes, if something doesn't get done, that's where we need to dig in and, and figure out, was it unrealistic? Do we need to pivot? Was it a mindset issue or some kind of block holding you back in uh, in what story are we telling ourselves that we need to maybe rewrite a little bit so either on either end it's going to look a little bit different but the, the mm -hmm. accountability to us is is absolutely non-negotiable in terms of working with our clients in that frequent communication well, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you shared on that. And I actually love hearing about your process that you actually have an accountability coach separate from, you, you know, yeah. the financial coach tells you what a huge part of the process that it is. And for those listening, you know, I would personally encourage you to find somebody like this that has accountability built into their services into the frameworks. I can attest personally that for us, that piece has been huge, you know, getting the little reminder emails or scheduling the next meeting is always like, oh yeah, time we've got to like revisit our goals before we have to sit down across the table and actually talk about whether we met them, right. You know, making <laughs> yeah. sure that we have what we committed to in savings and in various accounts and all of this. And it's, it really is, I would say a night and a difference between just being given a plan and left on your own to go execute that plan, right? There's, there's something built into creating an accountability system or framework or having a provider that helps you do that, that really, I think, is the difference between sometimes doing it and not doing it. Oh, for sure. I mean, and if you know someone's watching, you're going to be a better student. You know, um, I need that just even with the gym and eating. Like if I know someone's paying attention, I'm going to pay better attention, you know, and, and it's funny how we operate like that. And, and especially women, we're all 
we're people pleasers, right? We want to make um, whoever it is that we're working with proud. And then in turn, we feel really good about that. And I think having that sense of accomplishment too, and knowing what you just achieved, even if it was really hard, makes Mm -hmm. you feel so good. makes you feel so good that you just achieved that. And then you realize and recognize you can do more, right? You can continue going and and it really creates this awesome perpetual um, advancement of your ability to continue doing uh, whatever it is that you set out to. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, even some days the way that I think about it is like as humans, we have limited energy, limited time, limited attention spans. And, and sometimes we just have to like pressurize a scenario, like add some additional pressure to it to make sure we are incentivized enough to, to handle that. Right. And to incorporate it into our schedule, into our, the ways that we expend our energy and our time. So, um, yeah, I love that. And I love that you have it built into your process. Um, so Nicole talk to us and I know we've just got a few minutes left here, but, um, what are some things when, you know, when you think about an audience of entrepreneurs, and these are likely going to be folks that, that range from beginning a business to quite a established businesses making millions of dollars a year. Um, What are some things that you either wish you had known or your clients that you work with wish they had known earlier in their money journeys? Are there any kind of final tips that you can share with the listeners? Yes. Paying attention to what your most profitable part of your business is. So oftentimes we confuse revenue with profit and we may have a belief that our highest ticket offer is the most profitable, but we're not paying attention to how much time we're actually spending on that client facing before, after, and everything that goes into that. And so early on, I wish I would have paid more attention to the actual time I was spending on certain uh, projects or cases or types of business that I was doing Mm -hmm. versus just looking at the actual price. Because when I broke it down, my most expensive or or highest paying um, offers, if you were, Mm -hmm. Will, weren't the most profitable. And so it really made me narrow Mm -hmm. in and hone in on A, what I was offering, what I wasn't offering anything in my business anymore. Like it was really nice to say, I don't do that anymore and, and get rid of some of that dead weight, which is again, scary. But when you look at the numbers, it actually makes it simple to do. And usually you don't love that stuff anyways, but then it actually helped me change my packages and pricing too. So paying attention to with your hours included, your staff hours included, what is the most profitable part of your business? And then taking a look at if you have loss leaders or dead weight or anything else that you should actually drop or really rework your pricing. Cause sometimes we just don't realize uh, that we're, we're offering services that truly aren't profitable or aren't as profitable as, as they should be. And we're focusing more on them. So that is, is one thing for sure. And then the next is paying attention to my time. And what I mean by that in, in the same vein is I, and uh, one, another coach that I worked with, maybe doing a time awareness log and we tell ourselves we're so busy, but what we don't realize is that we associate more time with things that we hate doing and less time with things that we like doing. But the reality is we're actually 
not spending that time equally to how we're thinking about it. And so mm-hmm. when I went through that time awareness log, it occurred to me that I had way more time in my day. And there were a lot of bottlenecks that I could streamline and delegate and really uh, just fix in, in terms of clean up a little bit in my processes mm-hmm. and realizing that there's a lot of time that I could be using more profitably. And it helped me realize how many hours I had to delegate to an employee as well. So it helped mm-hmm. with that process and, and learning what I could afford to let go and having that confidence. Sometimes it's scary to hire a new person uh, and realizing if I did that, it would actually make me more money to spend the money on, on an employee. So those two things were, were super important in terms of just looking at strategic growth, but then increasing profitability. Mm, I love those so much. Those are both great tips for those that are listening. Where do you like, if they're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to go connect with Nicole, learn more about her work and her business. Where do you like for people to connect with you online? Uh, Our Instagram is great powerhouse money coaching. That is, um, through there on our, our bio and the link there, we have access to everything that we have going on. You can book a discovery call, check out our courses. So I would love for anybody to engage with us on Instagram. Fun. Okay. And we will also share your website. Um, anything else? I think you mentioned a coupon code for the right for listeners oh, yes. if they wanted to get access to a course with a, a discount. Um, yes. So we will share that as well. And if you are listening, you can check out Nicole's links, get access to her Instagram or her website, including her courses at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. Um, Nicole, it's been such a joy to connect with you today and hear a bit about your story and your experience, including your, the entrepreneurial side of your business. I really appreciate your time. Any final uh, takeaways or to do's and specifically on the money side, right? What should listeners be doing um, in addition to the two tips, two tips you just left uh, in regarding to, I mean, in regards to business building, yeah. anything on the, the personal money side that uh, you would like people to, you know, go take a look at or take one step towards today? Yeah. I think if there's one thing that is, is going to be super valuable is to promise yourself that you're going to take action. And so write down your top three priorities and focus on just the first one, just the first one and promise yourself that you're going to put a plan in place to take action, whether it is making a phone call, hiring a pro, looking at your, your bank statements or understanding what you own and what you owe, whatever it is, whatever's at the top of that list, just promise yourself you'll take action on it. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Nicole. So appreciate you. Loved the advice that you gave today. And I hope we get to connect again soon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. So others will find us too. keep up the great work you are doing in the world. And we'll see you next week.